What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dan Cable Presents Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. If it's your first time, welcome aboard. Can't wait to get into this week's episode. Got a real good one for you. Um, if, if this is your first time listening, this podcast comes out every Friday on iTunes. And there's also a YouTube channel that has a bunch of in-studio performances from uh, local and touring bands. So check out the Dan Cable Presents YouTube channel. Um, as far as the iTunes, if you want to help support the show in a free way, Please hit the subscribe button on the Dan Cable Presents podcast. Hit rate and review. Give the podcast five stars. Say a few nice words, and then you're done, and you've supported and helped other people find this show that maybe wouldn't have normally uh, done so on their own. So check that. Check out the DanCablePresents.com, and um, maybe get yourself a fresh baseball tee if you want to donate to the show. There's a donate button there. You can donate some shekels, you know? Help support a studio session. And um, yeah, real excited about this this week's episode. Um, I went to uh, Las Vegas, Nevada last week for the Life is Beautiful Fest. And, you know, didn't really have much of a plan on doing any coverage on the festival itself. I was just kind of going as a, uh, you know, as a fan. I was super excited to uh, go see Chance, the rapper, um, and I was only there for Friday, so so I was looking at just seeing Chance and and Lord pretty much, which oh man, that that Lord show blew my mind, and then right after we got to see Chance, and uh, it was just it was just a very cool uh, very cool evening there, and. Um, yeah, I don't know. A lot of people have gripes about the uh, the festival situation usually, and you know, there's always complaints about sound quality and whatnot. And um, you know, it's not always amazing, but they they seem to have it pretty dialed in at on the main stages there at the uh, the Life Is Beautiful Fest, and uh, we were able to to sneak our way. Uh, pretty close to the uh to the stage a lot closer than i thought we would get for uh lord and chance so that was rad and yeah there's definitely something uh something wild about seeing music with that amount of people in that big of a crowd and 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 feeling that energy it was it was very cool and um i'm i'm recording this on monday which is the day following this week's Las Vegas shooting at the uh, the Country Music Festival. So it's kind of wild just being there last week and uh, and hearing about this the shooting that went down. And um, I was talking to a friend, a close friend that was that was actually there and and kind of in the mix of everything and listening to her, her account of. Uh, of just hearing gunshots and and just everybody panicking and and just kind of 
you know, trying to run for cover and it's just pretty unreal. You know, you're, you're there at a music concert, you're seeing tunes and it's kind of supposed to be this place where you can escape and have a, have a good time with your, your friends and your fam and, and, and kind of lose yourself in the tunes. And then all of a sudden gunshots are, are flying and yeah, it was just, uh, I don't know, really wild just, just to know that that could have happened a weekend before, you know, and could have been in the mix of that. And so definitely been thinking about that a lot today and, um, just, just very sad, man. Not, not cool. Not to, not to get this episode off on, on a downer because we got a great one in store and, and, uh, yeah, it's just just a wild wild stuff going on, and and then Tom Petty passes away today, and and Tom was definitely, a, I don't know, one of my guys. You know, he was uh, he always just seemed like the epitome of cool to me, and I th- I saw that running down a dream documentary when it first came out, and I think. I don't know. I was early 20s, maybe 20, 21. And that documentary had such a big impact on me. And it was just one of those that that kind of flipped the switch and and just just revealed this this life of of Tom Petty and, and the heartbreakers and and just the way to, to see the way that, you know, Tom went went about things and I don't know. He's just always came across as a very good dude, and I've just always been such a big fan of his tunes. Even even the later ones, like Highway Companion, such an amazing record, and much later in his career. And oh man, um, stoked I got to see him a, a year or so ago for the first time. So that was that's now a very uh, special concert in my in my eyes. But um, yeah, so Tom Petty, man, rest in peace. Thank you for your tunes and thank you for your, I don't know, just being a dude that seemed like he was a good one. So appreciate that. Um, but this week's episode, we got Circle Waves all the way from Liverpool, England. And I, I'm pretty excited about this episode. It was It was a lot of fun. <clears throat> Um, I definitely would like to thank Allison and Bobby, um, who helped me put this thing together. I reached out to, to the band a few days before the life is beautiful festival. And they, they were there playing as well. And yeah. And they, they got back to me super quick and, and they were, they were into the idea of having me, uh, talk with the band and, yeah, I just got I got to say but thank you to Bobby again, their their tour manager because he was very accommodating to me because you know, I didn't have a press pass for this festival, so he kind of had to like just get me escorted into the festival like to the backstage area so that I could talk with them and and just kind of went out of his way. Like he could have definitely immediately said Hey, like you don't have a press pass? No, no way. Like no, no good. But um, for for some reason, he was 
he was good to me and he uh he let me come talk to the band for about a half an hour before they took the stage at the festival and um it was just a very cool experience with these guys and i got to talk to uh their singer kieran and and guitar player joe and uh it was just fun to hear their story and and i appreciate them taking the time they were super generous and um it was cool to uh get to be around some some dudes that are really trying to just keep pushing this thing as far as it can go and and not remaining content with uh the success that they've already achieved so so good stuff there and uh shout out to their drummer colin who's a big chicago cubs fan and kieran their singer saw my uh my cubs tattoo and pointed it out to colin he was pretty pumped about it he told me about his drumsticks that have the uh the cubs c on them super rad um so check out circle waves they've got uh, a, f- a couple of records available their newest one is called different creatures and we feature a couple tracks off that as well as uh their first record young chasers and uh i'll put all the links in the show notes so you can just click away find out what's going on with circle waves and when they're coming back to the states as well as uh the links for the dan cable presents podcast you can give the facebook page a like help that community grow and uh like i said please hit it with the uh the itunes review it will help so much and uh it is much appreciated as well as uh you know the supporters the people that uh continue to tune into this podcast every week i really appreciate y'all thank you for uh for keeping up with it and uh this is episode 79 with circle waves we're gonna get into a song off their first record and this tune is called t-shirt weather
Hits, right on. Hits us. Circle Waves, hanging out here with, uh, with Joe and uh, Kieran at the uh, Life is Beautiful Festival here in Las Vegas, Nevada, right before you all take the stage here. Mm-hmm. All the way from uh, from Liverpool, England, right? Correct, Dan. Right on. Um, you've done your research. Yeah, you said this is the first time you guys have ever been to Vegas? Yeah, we sort of... Um, one of my favorite films is uh, Swingers. So I just keep saying, Vegas, baby, <laughs> and getting really excited. You're so money. You're so money, You're baby. You're so money, and you don't even oh, know yeah. it. Please <laughs> say that to me all night when I'm losing money. Vegas, baby. <laughs> Come on, baby. <laughs> yeah, so I'm excited. You guys will have some some time to, to screw around here. I'm gonna spend a whole twenty dollars on roulette. I've got to, I've put it aside. Are you going uh, on a, a certain number there, or red or black? Um, I'm gonna play the. Uh, I, I like the um, in the thirds. I like to put it on a third. Okay. The Twelve numbers. No, that's a. I'm risky, but I'm not that risky. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a casual risk taker. <laughs> you like the odds of the thirds? Yeah, more of the thirds. <laughs> right on. Um, yeah, talk to me about how Circle Waves uh, started back in Liverpool. Do you want to do some of it? I'll do some. Yeah. Uh, we, it's been four, four years ago now. Uh, we... Fucking four <laughs> years ago now. <laughs> four whole fucking years. Uh. Fuck. I know other words, that's just not, I know shit too. Uh, balls. Uh, so yeah, me and my uh, friend Kieran here, we met uh, at a music festival in Liverpool and Kieran had just written a song that he'd recorded on his computer and it got played on the biggest radio show in the UK by Zane Lowe who like DJs out in the States now uh, and anyway peep, Kieran realised he needed a band and I happened to be standing next to him when all this was going on and then uh, and we found the others on the street because Liverpool's a small place and so they're around and then we just went touring and it all sort of it went from being not a thing to a thing very, very quickly, and luckily we've been carrying on yeah. more and more. Would you like to fucking expand? <laughs> I mean, fuck. <laughs> so correct, Joey. Yeah, it was very quick, and we kind of did things the wrong way around. We we were on the radio, and then we were like, well, we need a band, as opposed to being a band and then trying to get on the radio. So um, it was an interesting way of doing it, and I, I think after four years of being together, we finally feel like we're ready to start being a band now. Like that's the usual time it takes to like get to play festivals and be on. So we've done a, we've done it the wrong way around, but we're caught. We're kind of at a good level at this point. Um, did you start writing songs pretty at a pretty early age? Yeah, I always enjoy. As soon as I got a guitar, I always enjoyed making things up as opposed to learning other songs while other kids were learning Metallica. I was like making my own riffs. Um, and, and also trying to learn Metallica um, <laughs> unsuccessfully. Maybe it was because I couldn't do it, so I just decided to make my own easier versions. But it was always something that I found pleasure in, and uh, and I kind of have done it most days since I was 12 years old. Something you find some uh, th- some therapeutic purposes in, maybe? As, I think is so, using yeah. it as a confessional here and there, and just being able to express... Things. I certainly find it like a sort of, uh, yeah, it's a bit of a mental workout for me. I don't really read much or, uh, or try and ex- you know do maths. Um, anytime I'll always avoid working my brain out. So like writing songs and challenging myself to make good pop music, um, is is a it keeps me sane. I think. So when I, when I don't do it, I start to feel a bit like I'm, I, I need to stretch my legs. Uh, what were some of those bands that, or songwriters that had an early impact on 
on your um, songwriting? Definitely, like me and Joe sort of both got the color and shape by Foo Fighters at a similar age, and those that was and that and like uh, Nevermind and Nirvana Unplugged were kind of the first times that I'd heard like all proper alternative music. I grew up with like Oasis and stuff, but yeah, when I heard, absolutely. Like, the full the fucking distortion yeah man. when uh, when Kurt Cobain cracked out the ds1 uh i just watched that uh that oasis documentary great, recently it? and and it's just such a cool look in on the, on the dynamic yeah. between the the two brothers and i watched that when we were like out of touring and i, I just needed to tour as soon as i saw it. i was like shit so good <laughs> but yeah i think any, any music that like yeah those early days like foo fighters and then Moved on to I got really into like indie music, like British music, like Maccabees and uh, like American like Arcade Fire and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, anything that's got like a genuine sort of heart to it. Um, and in general, for the for the band now, uh, is the songwriting kind of derived from from you bringing the bones of a song to the band and and kind of flushing out things like that, or is each song kind of work on a different wavelength? Um, I'm a bit of a control freak. <laughs> okay. Uh, I tend to write a lot and record a lot of demos at home, but um, I certainly think being around and playing in the band with with Joe and Con Sam for so many years now, we sort of I I hear their parts in my head more clearly now. Like when I was doing it on my own at the start, it was uh, it was just all me, but now it's sort of I feel like it's catered towards the band. Um, but we certainly we yeah we ch we change things up in the studio and mess things around and just try it. the song is all that matters so no one has any egos it's all about making the song the best song it can be and whether that's I don't play guitar or Joe plays a tiny bit and then leaves it till the chorus just whatever you know you serve the song yeah I think when whenever you're trying to serve the song that's when the the best results come when you, when you yeah, definitely. get get away from all the other things uh, yeah Joe was there a was there something that, that drew you in initially that, that made you want to play music with Kieran or something about his songwriting that, that resonated or is it just... You know, you know what, it, like, it's as, as bad as it sounds originally, like, I was, I was on tour with um, another band at the time. It was my first ever tour that I, I, I did. Uh, and I've, I have a few friends who are touring musicians and I, we, on the last day of our tour I was staying with my parents. Like we were all, all the band were like sleeping on my parents' floor. It's one of those tours where like if you if you sell enough merch, no one will lose any money and everyone's happy. And I was on the last day, and I remember sort of saying, I was doing other things in my life. I was like saying to my parents that this is what this is what I've always wanted to do since I was a teenager, and all the other stuff I do is great, but this is like I've, I should really focus on this a bit more. Then the next day, I meet Kieran, uh, and I, he's looking for a band, and his band are on the radio already before the band exists and I went well that sounds amazing I'd like to see where it goes and he sent this, he sent four songs through and I listened to them and I said these are these are good because normally when you meet a guy for the first time and he goes oh I'm a songwriter be in my band and then you listen to have you ever I don't know if you've ever have you ever you play music right yeah have you ever have you done that thing where you meet a guy and you think oh you're really cool I'm like yeah, I think this is going to work out and then you get in a practice room with them and you go Oh jeez, <laughs> oh, oh, maybe geez. not. <laughs> yeah, and then you have to spend two hours. I remember did it, I did it once with this one guy, me and um, me and Tarek from Spring King. Yeah. Uh, do you know about Spring King? I don't. Really cool band from the UK. We went to university together, and there's this guy. He found out that I played bass at the time, and Tarek from Spring King played the drums. And he was like, I I would love 
love you guys to come jam. I've got some songs written. He was a nice guy. So we get in the practice room with him. And uh, it's it's just fucking awful. It's like, it's just nothing that me and Tarek liked at all. And I remember that he went to the toilet. And me and Tarek just looked at each other and went, I can't, I can't do this. <laughs> so then we, we purposely, between us, started playing the worst things. So he'd be like, he'd come up like, it's like he was dead soulful, like trying a bit emotional, like power rock. And then like, Tarek would stop doing a blast beat over the top <laughs> and like just deadly serious because no man I think this is exactly how it should be and I'd play some of like horrible funk bass lines and it was just the kind of like go so he's definitely never going to like next week go just so he wouldn't invite you, you back you want to jam again <laughs> uh, but yeah no so the opposite happened when I heard Kieran's music I was like oh god this is good and so then yeah I think uh, Fossils was the original of the four that I that wasn't one of the original four. I think that was an extra one you sent, but that was the one that like, I went... Because the original ones were quite scrappy indie music, but that was the first one that suggested to me that the songwriting uh, and the the production was could have gone somewhere a bit more complex with it, and there was an ear for it there. Um, and that was the song that excited me the most. Uh, yeah, Kieran, after getting that, that initial song on the radio before the band had really even formed, was it, did you feel... Like a lot of pressure to be able to to produce some songs that were gonna catch that same sort of attention, or um, not? No, not really. Like songwriting at that point, I don't. I didn't really worry about it at all because it was coming quite. I found it quite easy to write that sort of scrappy garage indie. The main thing, like I was a guitar, I was a rhythm guitar player, and at, at home I'd sung and played. You know, I distorted my voice as much as possible. Didn't want anyone to see. I didn't want anyone. To, I didn't want to ever play live. I was terrified of being a front man. So when it was on the radio, I was like, like I had to just step up and like I was terrified. Like for the first two years, I was fucking te- so terrified, just on stage going, "What the fuck? I should be on the right hand side. What am I doing in the middle?" It's so weird. <laughs> so it took it took a long time to just get used to being the man in the middle, uh, the man in the mirror, as Michael Jackson would say. Um, but the songwriting's never been. I've always found that quite. I think because from an age of like really young age, just been doing it every day, I find it it comes quite quickly uh, but, but it's it's being like the front man and being the lead singer which is the difficult bit for me so after getting that that initial song on the radio did did you already kind of have a stockpile of songs that would eventually become like demos for young chasers yeah which we was just sort of we just jammed in a practice room and i would i was writing as much as possible and um just thriving off the energy of being like shit we're on the radio uh, there's management now. There's a record label who wants to sign us to three albums, and they're called Virgin Records. That's cool. And then, uh, well, we got we got the best booking agent in the world. Just come along and said you want. So we were just like, every day there was something new, incredible happening. We were like, are we in like some sort of weird film here? Yeah, because this is kind of a time where that that type of stuff doesn't really happen to bands anymore. And we'd certainly be. I've been in bands for twelve years with zero success, and I think Joe had been in a similar boat. So we were just like, what? What's going on? <laughs> Surely nothing's changed that much, but it just worked out really well, and I'm just still kind of riding that excitement. Yeah, I've kind of had the opportunity over the last few days to like do a deep dive on on the the records. Like, started kind of with Young Chasers and, yeah. and got real familiar with that, and really dug the songwriting on there, and Thank specifically you. like T-shirt Weather, which is the song that started the episode off with, and then. Uh, is it uh, stuck in my teeth? Mm-hmm. Which is another great song. Thank you. Um, yeah, just these cool kind of uh, surf pop songs. Uh, yeah, I think it was all like we were. Tr- I was trying to make 
uh, that sort of, that noughties indie kind of those songs that are loved by bands like Vampire Weekend and and listen to a lot of Strokes, which is clearly a massive influence on that first record. Yeah. Um, but try and do it in a sort of slightly British way, which I don't know whether we succeeded in that. <laughs> I think you succeeded in making a really cool record, and yeah. um, I don't know how conscious it was to make it very uh, dancey and upbeat, but it, yeah. it definitely feels that way. I think the, all the songs were written in like two months, so it was kind of, I was using the, it just happened to be that I was using those chord progressions at that time. Yeah. Like this, like Different Creatures is probably closer to what I would usually write. But Young Chasers was just what was going on at that moment. So it's a snapshot. But we, were, we were touring a lot at that time as well. Yeah. And a lot of those songs are written in, like we just didn't, we basically didn't stop touring and you were writing in between everything. And at the, and at the time we were playing fast, like fast songs, even faster than we should have been playing them on the road. And the gigs were always really energetic and lively. And it, and I felt it, it definitely feels like that your songwriting reflected the live show at that time. Whereas I think on, on the second album, we, we'd started to tour, you know, tour with bigger bands and started to play bigger venues and like really like respect that sort of crafted kind of like almost muscular sound. I think, I think that the live shows have definitely influenced you. Yeah. Um, how many times have you guys had the opportunity to come and tour the States? This is number six. Did we work that out the other day? second proper tour we've done like we did like a week earlier on this year yeah we normally do the coast so we did cmj in new york the first time and then the second time we came out we did like south by and then we came out again to do uh support a bank called miss mister and then we but every time we come we normally miss mister we did like the southern states we normally just hit the coasts we did yeah did some falls dates in new york and east coast again do you uh, find there to be any difference in, in the crowds? Um, I think it varies state to state. Yeah. Um, like, we, we, we played, like, uh, where did we play the last few days? We played, like, Portland, Maine, and you get a room of people who are just kind of nodding their heads and shaking their hips every now and again. And then we played El Paso the other night, and there's people just going fucking batshit crazy, and they don't even know who we are. So it just... So same with the UK. If you play Glasgow up top, it's fucking crazy. You play London, you'll have a lot more people sort of maybe uh, subdued. Um, so it's it's hard to answer that. I mean, the United States is so big. Yeah. Um, but usually it's good. Right on. <laughs> <laughs> Happy to hear that. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's let's get into a song off the uh, the new record, which is uh, called Different Creatures. Good choice. And uh, I think yeah, we're gonna play the the title track, Different Creatures. So this is. Uh, Circle waves with different creatures.
Yeah, so talk to me about uh, the process of, of making different creatures and, and how it was different from, from making the, uh, the Young Chasers record. Um, it wasn't too different, really. It was, um, we did it with a guy called Alan Moldo, who, who's produced a bunch of incredible yeah, albums. Yeah, Frightened Rabbit, The Smashing Pumpkins, Nine Inch Nails. Yeah, The Killers. Uh, he did a bunch of Queens of Stone stuff, Foo Fighters. Um, he was dead cool and, and really laid back and, and just when when he heard the demos just got it straight away and was really keen like you don't want to go with a producer who's not in love with the songs and he really seemed to love it um and then we did it it was the same as the first record we just took four weeks out and went to a studio and sort of settled in and and smashed it like it's one song every day or whatever once every, every couple of days um was there was there any sort of like intimidation factor walking in a room with alan uh, with his i think the first few days yeah i mean he's like seven foot ten <laughs> uh, and he's, you know, he's just, he's kind of like this big, massive, like, he's like, hello, you're right, uh, how's it going? Um, I, that wasn't a really good impression. <laughs> I can feel sure that. that's not what he sounds like. <laughs> he sounds like this, sounds like Michael Caine. Um, but he was, after a few days, he's, he becomes like a, a really um, incredibly talented, massive teddy bear uh, who, who sort of, entertains every idea that you possibly swing his way and he's got every guitar pedal that you ever dreamed of using and every keyboard and and lets you just have it was just really fun just drank a lot of tea made a lot of cool sounds and and all the demos were were good like a good blueprint a blue a blueprint of what to go off so it was quite a quick process really no oh, that's cool that you had such a positive experience with that with with a guy that has a resume of that sort because I would imagine it's easy for you know a guy like that to to show his ego if if he wanted to, but he, yeah, he definitely doesn't have one. I think as well, like that's I think it's why people want to work with him as well is because he he's clearly he he gets it he gets his gets the role of it's a it's a collabor he's like obviously an expert in his thing, but it's a, you know he's trying to bring out the best in what you're doing and he gets on the same page very quickly. And even if you know you've only ever made one record before with someone else and he's you know got all of that experience it, 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 he doesn't judge you you know because it, you know he's very patient with you because he's obviously he obviously knows what he's doing yeah and we've got very little experience compared to him yeah this most recent record seems to have definitely some heavier and, and darker vibes to it and and definitely an angst to it um and different creatures was kind of written about the the syrian refugees is that is that accurate um I d I initially, I guess, um, it was initially just written about like immigration in general and just me kind of being a bit like frustrated with people uh, being angry at it and, and kind of being like, I'm very sort of, I think we all are quite sort of don't see borders as, as, as sort of direct, you know, you're privileged to just be happen to be born somewhere. Right. It doesn't mean that you're not allowed to travel and go, so you know. When we go to Australia, we're called expats, and when Syrians come over here, they're immigrants or whatever. So it's just, it was kind of pointing the finger at that and going, "That's weird." Uh, I disagree with that. Um, and it was when the UK decided that they would allow twenty thousand, I think was it Syrian refugees, allowed twenty thousand Syrian refugees to come in, which I thought was really strange to sort of put a cap on it. Like if it was five more people, is that it? Like you know, you go home to die now. So I just thought that was strange and, and 
happened to write a song about it and uh, yeah it's it's a cool it's a it's weird to have like a funk tune almost about like Syrian refugees <laughs> never thought I'd say that in a sentence no it's got a lot of cool vibes and uh, yeah is it important now that you do have some attention on the band that you, that you feel like you express some things of uh, like substance or do you try I to mean, ignore that part of it I don't know I, I didn't overthink it um, I just wrote it and then and then worried later if people would disagree maybe or something but I don't think that you should keep sh your mouth shut because you happen to be signed to a record label. Like, I would still disagree with what I disagree with if I wasn't in a band. just happens to be right, I write songs about it. And if I can influence people, for the message that we're given is a good message. It's a yeah. message of humanity and, and being good to people. We're not, we're not talking about hatred and we don't want to push that on people. If you were doing that, I would say, fucking stop it, don't do that. But we're, tr we're, you know, we're sending a message of peace. Which I think, if you can do that, that's a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. And the songs are still good. It's not like you're going out of your way to write protest songs just for the sake of it. And then, you know, it's just what comes naturally. But also as well, I think the other thing is that because of social media as well, you, you, you can have your stance quite out there in the open without really having to necessarily fill your music with politics. You can kind of make it abundantly clear through, you know, the online presence. Anyway, so I think that's something that you know. Maybe we, you know, on that on that record, there's only really one political song. But uh, you know, recently in the UK, there's been quite a few things going on, and we're not like overtly political, but at the same time, we will mention it here and there. And I think I think it's important to state where you are because no one likes people who sit on the fence, really. Yeah, I mean, and especially here in in America right now, this is such a crazy time where even people that weren't usually interested or involved in politics have kind of uh taken some sort of stance with the the trump administration here has been become such a yeah, hot mean, topic you know well i mean it's you know whatever your view of it i think the good thing about um the positive about some some a figure like trump is that people who were content with dealing with the the way that the establishment was running itself and just not really getting involved and now outraged when they should have really already been outraged Absolutely. before. So I feel like there's always a bit of chaos is always good for a situation like that. I think young people have finally turned up to it. And that's the same thing in the UK. It's like Brexit was a massive wake up call for a lot of young people. Like Matt like and and you've seen that in the recent election. So I think, you know, we're we're part of the youth, so we're happy to get get yeah. on with it. Absolutely. Sometimes that, that train wreck is necessary for people to open their eyes to, to what's going on around them. Um yeah, then the the different creatures record also seem to maybe have like some more layers of production. Is that yeah. um, and definitely it explores like a lot of different dynamics than than the uh, the Young Chasers album. Like uh, one of my favorite jams on the on the album is uh, Love Runs Out, mm -hmm. and like that's a that's a very cool song, and, and oh, it just seems like very different from from the rest of the tunes in the bunch. And yeah, I think I think the idea with Young Chasers was to be like a garage band and with different creatures it was to like be completely unshackled and and, and let every every layer you know be added on and, and not be sort of scared of sounding like you know, let's put an orchestra on out on my own or let's do Love uh, Loves Run Out just like me with an acoustic guitar in a room uh, and we just wanted to experiment and make 
and make it kind of as as beautiful as possible, really. And I think we'll go forward with that sort of and go even bigger and, and add more cinematic layers and and stuff like that. So it was it's a lot more fun to make a record like that because you can like I I remember doing strings on like Logic, like making MIDI and just be like da, 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 putting bits in and then like. A few months later, there's like a like a little orchestra doing it, and I'm like, <laughs> I I did that. That's funny. <laughs> These people are way more be- like way more sort of experienced than me, and I'm yeah. making them do stuff. The record definitely has some big like anthemy rock and roll moments, and like fire that burns is a great example of that, as well as goodbye. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's just it's just rad to hear those those big anthemic moments and and cinematic even. Yeah. As you, as you, I think just like not, we didn't hold back really. Um, we just did what felt natural, which was uh, to to rock. <laughs> um, what's it like being just like a couple years removed from Young Chasers and to be playing a festival here? Like for example, the Life Is Beautiful Festival with such like renowned artists like such as chance the rapper and lord like headlining like what's it like to be on the same billing as um, artists like that i'm not surprised <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i mean i want to be higher uh, i mean that this is this is fine for now but uh in the uk i feel like we're getting we were fourth from top in, in was it glass or reading leeds reading and leeds we were fourth from top so I want to. I want in America. I want us to start getting to that point now. And um, I mean, we've we've got a lot of work to do. And we've only just started touring out here. So, but we're really ambitious. And uh, every show, we want to prove to people that we are, you know, the future of of guitar music wherever we sort of decide to go. So that that's what we want to do. Nothing wrong with being ambitious. Yeah, I mean that's why you're here, right? It's just America. <laughs> yes, this is America. This is the American dream. <laughs> buying into it. Um, and this is maybe a good question to to lead us out into the, the last song we play. But uh, you guys have obviously been spending a lot of time on the road the last few years, touring around. How has that changed your relationships with people? Um, I'm good at FaceTime now. Um. I don't know. I, I really appreciate home a lot more. Yeah. Um, I appreciate family and friends. I think you uh, you can you can fall into the habit in your late teens and early twenties of just like taking everything for granted a little bit and becoming quite selfish. And I think being away from all that, you know, the further away you are, the the better your perspective, I guess. So I certainly feel like I, I love Liverpool a lot more than I did. I love my my girlfriend and my family a lot more than I did. So it's it makes you. I think it makes you a better person touring. If that makes sense. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, I think it's that thing as well. Like, it's, you have such you have a, complete extremes. It's I think. Uh, I mean, when I when I lived in the same place and never really went anywhere, like, I had you know, worked consistently. It was like, you know, I sort of get I get bored easily. I think. Whereas, um, it, when you're on tour, this life is so. It's just so much going on. It's like extreme sort of highs and lows, and and that's 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 enough excitement to keep you going for the rest of the year. You know what I mean? You go home and it's like it's like you're saying you you appreciate it a lot more, and you make an effort to go see people because the the time you get to go see friends is condensed into like much shorter pockets. So you're just constantly 
Right on. But then it does mean you're at the pub every day when you go home. <laughs> a lot of alcohol. Um, well, I super appreciate you guys taking the time to, to chat with me a little bit. Uh, it's been awesome to, to get to hang with you a little bit and Thank get you. to know a little bit more about Circle Waves. And uh, stoked for the next time you come through Portland, Oregon, which is where I reside. Yeah. And... Uh, we, we end every episode of the podcast with one of the guests or both of the guests saying the tagline, which is, uh, it's a program. So if one of you could give us a, a strong, it's a program. I'm going to do with the, it's a program. That was beautiful. <laughs> um, and we're going to play it out with the last song on Different Creatures. It was just called Old Friends. And it's one of my favorite, another one of my favorite jams off, off the record. Uh, can you give us a little insight on Old Friends? Pretty self-explanatory, uh, but... Yeah, we've never played it live. Oh, wow. Uh, we, may n- we may never. Okay. Um, but, um, yeah, that was exactly what we'd just been talking about, missing home and missing your mates. And it was like, yeah, just a bit of a sort of an ode to my uh, my Liverpool pals and just being like, hey, I miss you. Come on now. We're out here. <laughs> We're out here. I'm thinking of you. And uh, at the start of the song, actually, it's... Um, yeah, I went to a party in my mate's house, so all the people talking is all my old friends. Awesome. Well, thanks, guys. Appreciate thanks, it man. so much. This is uh, Circle Waves with Old Friends. Catch you on the flip side, Portland.
It's a program.